I was reminded this past week, I had the opportunity to go by and visit with uh, Brother Bill Jones and his dear wife, Johanna, and as many of you know that he's now going to be with the Lord. But um, it was in his closing days of his life. And I'm always interested in what people have to say in the closing years of their life, the closing days. I remember him saying one of the last things when I left Wednesday, God, it sure has been good to me. And I thought, wow, here's a man who's had cancer, gone through all the treatments and He could have complained. He could have done a number of things in a negative manner. But no, with a smile on his face, he said, God has truly been good to me. I'm always interested as I go back and look at history and began to look at those that who have uh, come down to the end of the road of life. Of the things that they said in the closing Remarks of their life. I'm reminded of, uh, of an individual. An individual that said these words. Patrick Henry. He said, here is a book worth more than all the other books which were ever printed. Yet is my misfortune never to have until lately found time to read it with proper attention and feeling. I thought, wow. What a shame to wait to the end of life to realize the importance of this book, to read it and to study it. And as I look at the Word of God, I began to realize that truly it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that through that, it leads me in the direction of God's will and purpose for my life. Then I'm reminded of Thomas Paine, the renowned American author, an infidel. He said these words in his final moments of his life. I would give worlds if I've had them, that the age of reason had not been published Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, God, what have I done to suffer so much? But there is no God. But if there should be, what will become of me hereafter? Stay with me, for God's sake. Send even a child to stay with me. For it is hell to be alone. If ever the devil had an agent, I have been that one. What sad, sad, sad words. See, the last words of an individual is like a mirror in their heart. I think about John Wesley. John Wesley said in these last moments of his life, the best of all is God is with us. And his very last words were, farewell. What a precious Precious word. Well, we're coming down to the end of our study of the book of Genesis. 
And Genesis has been a a book that has been encouraging. It has been a book that has uh, been that has helped us to understand not only the things of God, but also the things of ourself. I'm grateful for the first book of the Bible because you take away the first book of the Bible, you might as well take the rest of the way of all the other books of the Bible. And to go back and look in the first book of the Bible, we've studied different characters. And how many of those characters have encouraged us and certainly have helped us to examine our own lives by their own character. We've looked at Joseph for the last several, several weeks. Now Joseph is coming down to the end of his life. And Joseph is making a statement in chapter 50 that would be, I think, some of his greatest words that he had ever spoken. So I encourage you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 50. And we're going to look at verse 22 and following as the remainder of that chapter. But especially I want you to look at verse 24 and 25 and 26. Let's stand and read these words together. Let's just read verse 24 and following. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying. But God, will you surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob? Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. And they embalmed him, and he put put him in a coffin in Egypt. Father, bless not only the reading, but the preaching and the hearing of your word, for your glory, and for your honor. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Joseph, 110 years old, the Bible says. And the Bible says that he's been in Egypt for 93 years. He has experienced all of the pomp and all the prestige and all of the popularity of a prime minister. He has experienced, he went from that time that he was in the jail to the throne. And there you began to see how God used this great guy. Joseph was a man that was able to see his children and not only his children, but his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren Blessed and favored by God. But now it's coming to an end of his life. Now, the Bible reminds us that we all are going to come and experience that. That chapter in our life. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, then comes judgment. 
So friend, I've got news for every one of us. We're going to die unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back first. And that would be fine with me if he would like to do that. Amen. But here, as you begin to notice, that here are the dying words of Joseph. And yet, as you read them, they're words of faith. There's words of faith. I want us to examine those words because what he's done, he's gone back in history and remembered some things that God had promised him and had promised his people. And he said, I want you to swear that you will take my bones with you as you leave out of Egypt. See, one of the greatest ingredients of our walk with the Lord is faith. Faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. The Bible reminds us that it is the the faithfulness of man that brings pleasure to a holy God. And so, we even see right down to the end of Joseph's life. Of a man of faith. I want to examine that for a few moments. And I've got three things I want to share with you this morning. First of all, I want us to notice the request that expressed his faith. You know what is so amazing, what is so wonderful is, is that he expressed his faith in three different ways. First of all, you'll notice that he requests his faith concerning his burial. The Bible says there in verse 26, So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. We see that he was embalmed. We see that he was put in a coffin, but it says nothing about burial. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't say anything about a burial. There's no granite temple. There's no grand pyramid of the prime minister of Egypt. There's no elaborate tomb. There is no well-marked grave. There's none of that. And for hundreds of years... They didn't bury Joseph. Now, why was that? Well, we're going to see in just a few moments. Abraham Lincoln, that great president of our United States, died 722 a.m. April the 15th, 1865. He was not buried until 19 days later. He was laid... There in that rotunda of the capital for 19 days until a train from Washington, D.C. headed toward Springfield, Illinois. And so, in other words, his body laid in state for those 19 days. I look at, uh, at Joseph's body laid in state for hundreds of years. For people to recognize the faith that he had in his God. And so, 
It was a request that concerned his burial. But it was not only a request that concerned his burial, but also I want you to notice with me as well in verse 25, it was a request concerning his bones. The Bible says that Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from here. Talking about leaving Egypt. The Bible tells us that because of his faith and especially the words of his closing days of his life, he was found to be found in great God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And in verse 22 it says, By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones. You know what Joseph did? He made his family swear one day that they would carry his bones out of Egypt into the land of Canaan. Now, I think that's interesting. He put a hold on his burial. Until a future day when the children of Israel that was going to leave Egypt, and he wanted to go with them, even though it was his bones. What a statement of faith. You say, well, how did he know that they were going to be leaving Egypt? Well, we're going to look at that. See, it was not only a request that concerned his burial and a request that concerning his bones, but it was also a request concerning his belief. See, his request revealed that even though Egypt had been his home for 90 years, his heart was still in Canaan. His heart was still in Canaan. He enjoyed all the pomp and the prosperity and all the blessings of God there in Egypt. But all friend, he realized that God had promised him the land of Canaan. My friend, you're a child of God. This land is not your land. You're just passing through. Just like Joseph was just passing through. There of Egypt. And one day he was going to enter into that promised land, the land of Canaan. I'm reminded of what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 by verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm so glad that I don't have to walk by sight because, friend, many times my sight gets pretty bad. And the things I see gets very discouraging and very depressing. But I'm so grateful that through the Word of God and that through what God has in store for me that I can walk by faith on the promises of His Word. These graduates are going to be faced with many, many, many decisions. And some of those decisions are going to be challenging. And some of those decisions are going to be discouraging. But I want you to remember what your Bible has taught you and what your family has taught you and what your pastor has taught you and what your church has taught you that we do not walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
Joseph learned that. And then I'm reminded of what Habakkuk said. Habakkuk said in chapter 2 verse 4, The just shall live by faith. That it's a norm. That it is what a child of God should do. It is the exercise of an individual. Joseph walked by faith and he lived by faith and he died by faith. The Bible often, often speaks of the importance of faith. We read in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, as I've already quoted, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He that is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The Bible speaks of little faith. The Bible speaks of weak faith. The Bible speaks of mature faith and strong faith. You sometimes wonder why we go through situations in life. And in those midst of those situations, it seems like it stretches our faith. What is God doing? He is strengthening our faith. He is maturing our faith. So many times when we find ourselves in the midst of circumstances is that we... Realize it's challenging. And we wonder, how in the world are we going to get through this? And we wish God would take it away. And yet we look back and we think, oh, thank God that you didn't take it away. Because through that experience, it matured my faith. There was a group of men there in the South Seas of the Pacific, they came upon this island and they noticed something rather interesting. The birds upon that island were really, you could look at them and tell that they were way overweight. And not only that, but they wouldn't fly. And they began to realize that what had happened, they were such a well supply of food that these birds didn't have to fly. And all they did all day long was just feed off of those berries and off of those vines. They became a beast. And because they didn't exercise their wings, they lost their ability to fly. God didn't want us to become birds like that. He didn't want us to become a beast to, to the fulfillments of, of just the blessings of God. But he stretches us so that we will stretch our wings and that we will begin to lunge forward in the walk of faith. So, as you look at Joseph, you see it quite well that here was the request that expressed his faith. But let's move along a little bit further. And I want you to notice the reasons that explains his faith. Joseph's faith that explains what faith is really is all about. We talk a lot about faith, but what, what is it really? Well, you go and you look at verse 24 and verse 25. 
two different times, it speaks about really the revelation of God's Word. It says, God will surely visit you. God will surely visit you. Now, why was Joseph so sure about what God would do in the future? Why was he so sure that he was going to deliver the children out of the bondages of Egypt as we well know as we study the book of Exodus today? Well, in Genesis chapter 15, in verse 13 and 14... God said this, then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve will judge. Afterward they will, they shall come out with great possessions. All the way back to Genesis chapter 15, Joseph remembered. God had foretold them that they were going to live in a foreign land. That foreign land was going to be the land of Egypt. And that foreign land was going to be a land that they were going to be persecuted. And so what Joseph does, he goes back and remembers the revelation of the Word of God. Charles Wesley one time, seemingly like he could not get a clear definition of what faith is. And so he discussed it with many theologians. And after much discussion, he still could not be satisfied with the definition of what faith is. And then he happened to remember one old aged saint, Mrs. So-and-so. He said, let's call her up and ask her, what is faith? And she said, when they asked her, taking God at his word. He said, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. Just taking God at His Word, my friend, by taking His Word, you applying it to your heart, you are exercising and expressing faith. And so therefore, it was because of the revelation of that faith that helped Joseph to come down to the end of life and saying, now, when you leave... I want you to take my bones with you. And I want to be buried in the land of Canaan. But not only the revelation of God's word, but the resting of God's word. Joseph was resting in what God had to say. All his plans hinged upon what God said and what God was doing. See, faith becomes the force of your life. See, when you take God's Word, you can rest in His Word and you can know that the enemy cannot overcome that Word. And oh, friend, it gives you that force. It gives you that strength. It gives you that ability. Faith was the operative in the life of Joseph. He knew what God had said and therefore he acted upon that very thing. So, we've looked at the reasons. 
that explained his faith. But what about the results that encourages our faith? Well, the prophecy that was fulfilled. Genesis chapter 15, God had told Abraham not only would they live in a strange land, but they would end up as servants and they would experience affliction in that land. Well, did that come to pass? You better believe it did. Exodus chapter 1 in verse 8 and following. Listen to these words just for a moment. It says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also joined our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Therefore, they said, taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens and they built for Pharaoh's supply cities. Now, look in verse 13 and 14 of that same passage of Scripture. Listen to what it says. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor and they made their lives bitter and hard bondage in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, and all their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Oh, friend. God told Abraham that they would dwell in this land for 400 years of affliction. And Joseph knew that. He took the word of God and he began to live his life upon the word of God. (laughs) There's a lot of people, they live upon the word and they are a lot of people that live for the world. And you can tell a great deal about them by the way that they place value upon certain things. Heard about a guy, had a brand new BMW and... uh, A guy came along, he'd open his car door and just literally knock that car door off of his BMW. The police said, said, man, look what's happened. And the guy says, oh, my brand new BMW, look at my door. He said, man, you're crazy. You lost your arm. It cut your arm off. He looked down and he said, oh, my goodness, I lost my Rolex too. It's amazing of how people today value this world. When, friend, we as believers today, this world is not our home. And oh, here was Joseph coming down to the end of life and once again demonstrating as a man of faith. That's what I challenge these young people to be, men and women of faith, that they grow in the grace of God. But not only the prophecy that was fulfilled, but also the promise that was fulfilled. 
Joseph made them swear that when they left the land of Egypt, they would carry his bones with him. Look what he says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, Surely God will visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Joshua chapter 24, verse 32 says, The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem, and the plot of the ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamar, the fathers of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. My friend, the promise to Joseph was carried out hundreds and hundreds of years later after he died. You know, I think about the Word of God and I think about life and how life is so short. But yet, really, life that we have here on earth is just preparing us for the life to come. Many years ago, there was this lady that... uh, had come to know the Lord as her Savior. She was the wife of a, a, a very successful businessman. And I had the privilege of going by and visiting with this uh, woman. And I was getting ready to explain to her about the, bearer, uh, the, the being buried in the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. And there he was sitting there. And I looked at him and I said, uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could be baptized with your wife? He'd never made a profession of faith. And, and the more I talked, the more interested he became. He said, you know what? He said, yes, I would. And so I said, well, why don't you give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ today? He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll be at church tomorrow. And he says, when you give the invitation, he said, I'll be the first one to step out and come forward. And I'll give my life to the Lord. I started to walk away. And as I started to walk away, like the Lord spoke to my heart. And I said, well, why not today? I said, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. The devil always tells you tomorrow. But today is the day of salvation. I said, let me ask you, what has the devil ever done good for you? He said, he's never done anything good for me. I said, well, why would you want to listen to him? He said, "Uh, well, you're right. Pastor. And right there in his living room, he knelt and he invited the Lord into his life. I said, so the next morning, I want you to come forward and I want you to be baptized with your wife. 
Well, the next, that afternoon, I got a phone call. And it was uh, a nephew of this man that he, who knew that I had talked with this man. He said, Pastor, he said, I want you to pray for my uncle. He said that he just had a heart attack. And said he's not doing too well. I said, well, I certainly will do that. We had prayer. Next morning, right before breakfast, I get the phone call. And it was the same young man, the nephew. He says, Pastor, he said, I'm sad to say, but my uncle had another heart attack and he died this morning. I thought, wow. What if he had listened to the devil and said, I'll do it the next day. I believe he meant it. What if he had waited? See, friend, we gain faith by just doing what God tells us to do and claiming the promises of what God has given to us. Today is the day of salvation. It's appointed unto man once to die. Then comes judgment. Those words are so clear, so plain. Why should we live a life wasted upon this world? Why should we live a life listening to Satan, knowing that he has never done anything good on our behalf? Today, there may be someone. Could be your last day. In this church. Could be your last day upon the face of this earth. It could be mine. Have you ever come to that point in place by placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says that if I believe, that word believe is that if I have faith, if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I shall be saved. The Bible says, if I believe in my heart that God had raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Faith, 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 faith is the key ingredient, not only of being introduced to God, but faith is the key ingredient that walks with God and walks into the kingdom of God. Do you have that faith? If not today, would you do what that man did? You know what? The devil has never done anything for me. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm going to come and I'm going to give my heart, my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've done that, but you have never given your life in a manner that he has become Lord of your life, of every thought, every walk, every, every talk, every second of your life? Why not do it today? Father, thank you for your blessed word and for the word that encourages us and strengthens us and gives us that eternal faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that today that you 
will express your desire in hearts and lives of individuals that they too can express their faith in you. In Jesus we pray. Amen.